section seventeen of psychology of the unconscious by carl jung this librivox recording is in the public domain section seventeen chapter five part one of symbolism of the mother and of rebirth the vision following the creation of the hero is described by miss miller as a throng of people this representation is known to us from dream interpretation as being above all the symbol of mystery freud thinks that this choice of symbol is determined on account of its possibility of representing the idea the bearer of the mystery is placed in opposition to the multitude of the ignorant the possession of the mystery cuts one off from intercourse with the rest of mankind for a very complete and smooth rapport with the surroundings is of great importance for the management of the libido and the possession of a subjectively important secret generally creates a great disturbance it may be said that the whole art of life shrinks to the one problem of how the libido may be freed in the most harmless way possible therefore the neurotic derives special benefit in treatment when he can at last rid himself of his various secrets the symbol of the crowd of people chiefly the streaming and moving mass is as i have often seen substituted for the great excitement in the unconscious especially in persons who are outwardly calm the vision of the throng develops further horses emerge a battle is fought with silberer i might accept the significance of this vision as belonging first of all in the functional category because fundamentally the conception of the intermingling crowds is nothing but the symbol of the present onrush of the mass of thought likewise the battle and possibly the horses which illustrate the movement the deeper significance of the appearance of the horses will be seen for the first time in the further course of our treatment of the mother symbolism the following vision has a more definite and significantly important character miss miller sees a city of dreams cite de rêve the picture is similar to one she saw a short time before on the cover of a magazine unfortunately we learn nothing further about it one can easily imagine under this cite de rêve a fulfilled wish dream that is to say something very beautiful and greatly longed for a sort of heavenly jerusalem as the poet of the apocalypse has dreamed it the city is a maternal symbol a woman who fosters the inhabitants as children it is therefore intelligible that the two mother goddesses rhea and cybele both wear the wall crown the old testament treats the cities of jerusalem babel etc as women isaiah forty seven one through five come down and sit in the dust o virgin daughter of babylon sit on the ground there is no throne o daughter of the chaldeans for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate take the millstones and grind meal uncover thy locks make bare the leg uncover the thigh pass over the rivers that thy nakedness shall be uncovered yea thy shame shall be seen sit thou silent and get thee into darkness o daughter of the chaldeans for thou shalt no more be called the lady of the kingdoms jeremiah says of babel fifty twelve your mother shall be sore confounded she that bear you shall be ashamed strong unconquered cities are virgins colonies are sons and daughters cities are also whores 
isaiah says of tyre twenty three sixteen taken harp go about the city thou harlot thou hast been forgotten and how does it come to pass that the virtuous city has become an harlot we come across a similar symbolism in the myth of ogyges the mythical king who rules in egyptian thebes and whose wife was appropriately named phoebe the boeotian thebes founded by cadmus received on that account a surname ogygian this surname was also given to the great flood as it was called ogygian because it occurred under ogyges this coincidence will be found later on to be hardly accidental the fact that the city and the wife of ogyges bear the same name indicates that somewhere a relation must exist between the city and the woman which is not difficult to understand for the city is identical with the woman we meet a similar idea in hindu lore where indra appears as the husband of urvara but uvara means the fertile land in a similar way the occupancy of a country by the king was understood as marriage with the ploughed land similar representations must have prevailed in europe as well princes had to guarantee for example a good harvest at their accession the swedish king domaldi was actually killed on account of the failure of the harvest inglinga saga eighteen in the rama saga the hero rama marries sita the furrow of the field to the same group of ideas belongs the chinese custom of the emperor ploughing a furrow at his ascension to the throne this idea of the soil being feminine also embraces the idea of continual companionship with the woman of physical communication shiva the phallic god is like mahadeva and parvati male and female he has even given one half of his body to his consort parvati as a dwelling-place inman gives us a drawing of a pundite of our danari iswara one half of the god is masculine the other half feminine and the genitals are in continuous cohabitation the motive of continuous cohabitation is expressed in a well-known lingam symbol which is to be found everywhere in indian temples the base is a female symbol and within that is the phallus the symbol approaches very closely the grecian mystic phallic basket and chests compare with this the eleusinian mysteries the chest or box is here a female symbol that is the mother's womb this is a very well-known conception in the old mythologies the chest basket or little basket with its precious contents was thought of as floating on the water a remarkable inversion of the natural fact that the child floats in the amniotic fluid and that this is in the uterus this inversion brings about a great advantage for sublimation for it creates enormous possibilities of application for the myth-weaving fantasy that is to say for the annexation to the sun cycle the sun floats over the sea like an immortal god which every evening is immersed in the maternal water and is born again renewed in the morning frobenius says perhaps in connection with the blood-red sunrise the idea occurs that here a birth takes place the birth of a young son the question then arises inevitably whence comes the paternity how has the woman become pregnant and since this woman symbolizes the same idea as the fish which means the sea because we proceed from the assumption that the sun descends into the sea as well as arises from it 
thus the curious primitive answer is that this sea has previously swallowed the old sun consequently the resulting myth is that the woman sea has formerly devoured the sun and now brings a new sun into the world and thus she has become pregnant all these sea-going gods are sun symbols they are enclosed in a chest or an ark for the night journey on the sea robenius often together with a woman again an inversion of the actual situation but in support of the motive of continuous cohabitation which we have met above during the night journey on the sea the sun-god is enclosed in the mother's womb oftentimes threatened by dangers of all kinds instead of many individual examples i will content myself with reproducing the scheme which frobenius has constructed from numberless myths of this sort to devour west east heat hair to slip out to open to land west to east movement sea journey she journey to to set on fire or to cut off the heart frobenius gives the following legend to illustrate this a hero is devoured by a water monster in the west to devour the animal carries him within him to the east sea journey meanwhile he kindles a fire in the belly of the monster to set on fire and since he feels hungry he cuts off a piece of the hanging heart to cut off the heart soon after he notices that the fish glides upon the dry land to land he immediately begins to cut open the animal from within outwards to open then he slides out to slip out in the fish's belly it had been so hot that all his hair had fallen out heat hair the hero frequently frees all who were previously devoured to devour all and all now slide out slip out a very close parallel is noah's journey during the flood in which all living creatures die only he and the life guarded by him are brought to a new birth in a melopolynesian legend frobenius it is told that the hero in the belly of the king fish took his weapon and cut open the fish's belly he slid out and saw a splendour and he sat down and reflected i wonder where i am he said then the sun rose with a bound and turned from one side to the other the sun has again slipped out frobenius mentions from the ramayana the myth of the ape hanuman who represents the sun hero the sun in which hanuman hurries through the air throws a shadow upon the sea the sea monster notices this and through this draws hanuman toward itself when the latter sees that the monster is about to devour him he stretches out his figure immeasurably the monster assumes the same gigantic proportions as he does that hanuman becomes as small as a thumb slips into the great body of the monster and comes out on the other side in another part of the poem it is said that he came out from the right ear of the monster like rabelais gargantua who also was born from the mother's ear hanuman thereupon resumes his flight and finds a new obstacle in another sea monster which is the mother of rahus the sun-devouring demon the latter draws hanuman's shadow to her in the same way hanuman again has recourse to the earlier stratagem becomes small and slips into her body but hardly is he there then he grows to a gigantic mass swells up tears her kills her and in that way makes his escape thus we understand why the indian firebringer matarikvan 
is called the one swelling in the mother the ark little box chest cask vessel etc is a symbol of the womb just as is the sea into which the sun sinks for rebirth from this circle of ideas we understand the mythologic statements about ogyges he it is who possesses the mother the city who is united with the mother therefore under him came the great flood for it is a typical fragment of the sun myth that the hero when united with the woman attained with difficulty is exposed in a cask and thrown into the sea and then lands for a new life on a distant shore the middle part the night journey on the sea in the ark is lacking in the tradition of ogyges but the rule in mythology is that the typical parts of a myth can be united in all conceivable variations which adds greatly to the extraordinary difficulty of the interpretation of a particular myth without knowledge of all the others the meaning of this cycle of myths mentioned here is clear it is the longing to attain rebirth through the return to the mother's womb that is to say to become as immortal as the sun this longing for the mother is frequently expressed in our holy scriptures i recall particularly the place in the epistle to the galatians where it is said four twenty six but jerusalem which is above is free which is the mother of us all twenty seven for it is written rejoice thou barren that beareth not break forth and cry thou that travailest not for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband twenty eight now we brethren as isaac was are the children of promise twenty nine but as he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit even so it is now thirty nevertheless what saith the scripture cast out the bondwoman and her son for the son of a bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of a free woman thirty one so then brethren we are not children of the bondwoman but of the free chapter five one stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith christ has made us free the christians are the children of the city above a symbol of the mother not sons of the earthly city mother who is to be cast out for those born after the flesh are opposed to those born after the spirit who are not born from the mother in the flesh but from a symbol for the mother one must again think of the indians at this point who say the first people proceeded from the sword hilt and a shuttle the religious thought is bound up with the compulsion to call the mother no longer mother but city source sea etc this compulsion can be derived from the need to manifest an amount of libido bound up with the mother but in such a way that the mother is represented by or concealed in a symbol the symbolism of the city we find well developed in the revelations of john where two cities play a great part one of which is insulted and cursed by him the other greatly desired we read in revelation seventeen one come hither i will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth on many waters two with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication three so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and i saw a woman sit on a scarlet coloured beast full of the names of blasphemy and having seven heads and ten horns four and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet colours and decked with gold and precious stones of pearls 
having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication five and upon her forehead was a name written mystery babylon the great the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth six and i saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of the martyrs of jesus and when i saw her i wondered with a great admiration here follows an interpretation of the vision unintelligible to us from which we can only emphasize the point that the seven heads of the dragon means the seven hills upon which the woman sits this is probably a distinct allusion to rome the city whose temporal power oppressed the world at the time of the revelation the waters upon which the woman the mother sits are peoples and throngs and nations and tongues this also seems to refer to rome for she is the mother of peoples and possessed all lands just as in common speech for example colonies are called daughters so the people subject to rome are like members of a family subject to the mother in another version of the picture the kings of the people namely the fathers commit fornication with this mother revelation continues eighteen two and he cried mightily with a strong voice saying babylon the great is fallen is fallen and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird three for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication thus this mother does not only become the mother of all abominations but also in truth the receptacle of all that is wicked and unclean the birds are images of souls therefore this means all souls of the condemned and evil spirits thus the mother becomes hecate the underworld the city of the damned itself we recognize easily in the ancient idea of the woman on the dragon the above-mentioned representation of echnida the mother of the infernal horrors babylon is the idea of the terrible mother who seduces all people to whoredom with devilish temptation and makes them drunk with her wine the intoxicating drink stands in the closest relation to fornication for it is also a libido symbol as we have already seen in the parallel of fire and sun after the fall and curse of babylon we find in revelation nineteen six through seven the hymn which leads from the under half to the upper half of the mother where now everything is possible which would be impossible without the repression of incest six alleluia the lord god omnipotent reigneth seven let us be glad and rejoice and give honour to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready eight and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints nine and he saith unto me write blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the lamb the lamb is the son of man who celebrates his marriage with the woman who the woman is remains obscure at first but revelation twenty one nine shows us which woman is the bride the lamb's wife nine come hither i will show thee the bride the lamb's wife ten and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city the holy jerusalem descending out of heaven from god having the glory of god it is evident from this quotation after all that goes before 
that the city the heavenly bride who is here promised to the son is the mother in babylon the impure maid was cast out according to the epistle to the galatians so that here in heavenly jerusalem the mother bride may be attained the more surely it bears witness to the most delicate psychologic perception that the fathers of the church who formulated the canons preserve this bit of the symbolic significance of the christ mystery it is a treasure-house for the fantasies and myth materials which underlie primitive christianity the further attributes which were heaped upon the heavenly jerusalem make its significance as mother overwhelmingly clear one and he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of god and of the lamb two in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations three and there shall be no more curse in this quotation we come upon the symbol of the waters which we found in the mention of ogyges in connection with the city the maternal significance of water belongs to the clearest symbolism in the realm of mythology so that the ancients could say in greek the sea is the symbol of birth from water comes life therefore of the two gods which here interest us the most christ and mithra the latter was born beside a river according to representations while christ experienced his new birth in the jordan moreover he is born from the fenon the sempiterni fons amorous the mother of god who by the heathen christian legend was made a nymph of the spring the spring is also found in mithraism a pannonian dedication reads fonti perenni an inscription in apulia is dedicated to the fons eterni in persia our Vikura is the well of the water of life Ardwikura anahita is a goddess of water and love just as aphrodite is born from foam the neo-persians designate the planet venus and a nubile girl by the name nahid in the temples of anaitis there existed prostitute hierodules harlots in the sakain in honour of anaitis there occurred ritual combats as in the festival of the egyptian ares and his mother in the vedas the waters are called matritama the most maternal all that is living rises as does the sun from the water and at evening plunges into the water born from the springs the rivers the seas at death man arrives at the waters of the styx in order to enter upon the night journey on the sea the wish is that the black water of death might be the water of life that death with its cold embrace might be the mother's womb just as the sea devours the sun but brings it forth again out of the maternal womb jonah moted life believes not in death in the flood of life in the torrents of deeds i toss up and down i am blown to and fro cradle and grave an eternal sea a changing web a glowing life goethe faust the eternabang the wood of life or the tree of life is a maternal symbol which would seem to follow from the previous deductions the etymologic connection of tau ton bios in the indo-germanic root suggests the blending of the meanings in the underlying symbolism of mother and of generation 
the tree of life is probably first of all a fruit-bearing genealogical tree that is a mother image countless myths prove the derivation of man from trees many myths show how the hero is enclosed in the maternal tree thus dead osiris in the column adonis in the myrtle etc numerous female divinities were worshipped as trees from which resulted the cult of the holy groves and trees it is of transparent significance when attis castrates himself under a pine tree that is he does it because of the mother goddesses were often worshipped in the form of a tree or of a wood thus juno of Thespii was a branch of a tree juno of samos was a board juno of argos was a column the carrion diana was an uncut piece of wood athena of lindus was a polished column tertullian calls ceres of pharos brutus pallas et informe lignum sine effigy athenaeus remarks of latona at dalos that she is anaton anthapoth a shapeless piece of word tertullian calls an attic palace crucus a wooden pail or mast the wooden pail is phallic as the name suggests palthon palace the palace is a pail a ceremonial lingam carved out of figwood as are all roman statues of priapus pavos means a projection or centerpiece on the helmet later called panos just as avananabatias signifies bald-headedness on the fore part of the head and thalapas signifies bald-headedness in regard to the pathos nonamas of the helmet a semi-phallic meaning is given to the upper part of the head as well palapanas has beside palathos the significance of wooden powers anayas cylinder palalas a round beam the macedonian battle array distinguished by its powerful impetus is called palathos moreover the finger joint is called palalos palathos is a whale now pathos appears with the meaning shining brilliant the indo-germanic root is bala equals to bulge to swell who does not think of faust it grows it shines increases in my hand that is primitive libido symbolism which shows how immediate is the connection between phallic libido and light the same relations are found in the rig veda in rudra's utterances rig veda one one fourteen three may we obtain your favour thou man ruling o urinating rudra i refer here to the previously mentioned phallic symbolism of rudra in the upanishads for we call for help below to the flaming rudra to the one bringing the sacrifice him who encircles and wanders wandering in the vault of heaven to the seer two thirty three five he who opens up the suite who listens to our calls the ruddy one with the beautiful helmet may he not give us over to the powers of jealousy six i have been rejoiced by the bull connected with marut the supplicating one with strong force of life eight sound the powerful song of praise to the ruddy bull to the white shining one worship the flaming one with honour we sing of the shining being rudra may rudra's missile arrow not be used on us may the great displeasure of the shining one pass us by unbend the firm bow or hard arrow for the princes thou who blessest with the waters of thy body generative strength be gracious to our children and grandchildren in this way we pass from the realm of mother symbolism imperceptibly into the realm of male phallic symbolism this element also lies in the tree even in the family tree as is distinctly shown by the medieval family trees 
from the first ancestor there grows upward in the place of the membrum viral the trunk of the great tree the bisexual symbolic character of the tree is intimated by the fact that in latin trees have a masculine termination and a feminine gender the feminine especially the maternal meaning of the forest and the phallic significance of trees in dreams is well known i mention an example it concerns a woman who had always been nervous and who after many years of marriage became ill as a result of the typical retention of the libido she had the following dream after she had learned to know a young man of many engaging free opinions who was very pleasing to her she found herself in a garden where stood a remarkable exotic tree with strange red fleshy flowers or fruits she picked them and ate them then to her horror she felt that she was poisoned this dream idea may easily be understood by means of the antique or poetic symbolism so i can spare information as to the analytic material the double significance of the tree is readily explained by the fact that such symbols are not to be understood anatomically but psychologically as libido symbols therefore it is not permissible to interpret the tree on account of its similar form as directly phallic it can also be called a woman or the uterus of the mother the uniformity of the significance lies alone in the similarity to the libido one loses one's way in one cul-de-sac after another by saying that this is the symbol substituted for the mother and that for the penis in this realm there is no fixed significance of things the only reality here is the libido for which all that is perishable is merely a symbol it is not the physical actual mother but the libido of the son the object of which was once the mother we take mythologic symbols much too concretely and wonder at every step about the endless contradictions these contradictions arise only because we constantly forget that in the realm of fantasy feeling is all whenever we read therefore his mother was a wicked sorcerer the translation is as follows the son is in love with her namely he is unable to detach his libido from the mother imago he therefore suffers from incestuous resistance the symbolism of water and trees which are met with as further attributes in the symbol of the city also refer to that amount of libido which unconsciously is fastened to the mother imago in certain parts of revelation the unconscious psychology of religious longing is revealed namely the longing for the mother the expectation of revelation ends in the mother and there shall be no more curse there shall be no more sins no repression no disharmony with oneself no guilt no fear of death and no pain of separation more thus revelation echoes that same radiant mystical harmony which was caught again two thousand years later and expressed poetically in the last prayer of dr marianus penitence look up elate where she beams salvation gratefully to blessed fate grow in recreation be our souls as they have been dedicate to thee virgin holy mother queen goddess gracious be goethe faust one principal question arises at the sight of this beauty and greatness of feeling that is whether the primary tendency compensated by religion 
is not too narrowly understood as incestuous i have previously observed in regard to this that i consider the resistance opposed to libido as in a general way coincident with the incest prohibition i must leave open for the present the definition of the psychological incest conception however i will here emphasize the point that it is most especially the totality of the sun myth which proves to us that the fundamental basis of the incestuous desire does not aim at cohabitation but at the special thought of becoming a child again of turning back to the parent's protection of coming into the mother once more in order to be born again but incest stands in the path to this goal that is to say the necessity of in some way again gaining entrance into the mother's womb one of the simplest ways would be to impregnate the mother and to reproduce one's self identically but here the incest prohibition interferes therefore the myths of the son or of rebirth teem with all possible proposals as to how incest can be evaded a very simple method of avoidance is to transform the mother into another being or to rejuvenate her after birth has occurred to have her disappear again or have her change back it is not incestuous cohabitation which is desired but the rebirth which now is attained most readily through cohabitation but this is not the only way although perhaps the original one the resistance to the incest prohibition makes the fantasy inventive for example it was attempted to impregnate the mother by means of a magic charm of fertility to wish for a child attempts in this respect remain in the stage of mythical fantasies but they have one result and that is the exercise of the fantasy which gradually produces paths through the creation of fantastic possibilities in which the libido taking an active part can flow off thus the libido becomes spiritualized in an imperceptible manner the power which always wishes evil thus creates a spiritual life therefore in religions this course is now raised to a system on that account it is exceedingly instructive to see how religion takes pains to further these symbolic transferences the new testament furnishes us with an excellent example in regard to this nicodemus in the speech regarding rebirth cannot forbear understanding the matter very realistically john three four how can a man be born when he is old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born but jesus endeavours to raise into purity the sensuous view of nicodemus's mind moulded in materialistic heaviness and announces to him really the same and yet not the same five verily verily i say unto thee except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of god six that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit seven marvel not that i said unto thee ye must be born again eight the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth so is every one that is born of the spirit to be born of water means simply to be born from the mother's womb to be born of the spirit means to be born from the fructifying breath of the wind this we learn from the greek text where spirit and wind are expressed by the same word that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit the spirit bloweth where it listeth this symbolism 
rose from the same need as that which produced the egyptian legend of the vultures the mother symbol they were only females and were fertilized by the wind one recognizes very clearly the ethical demand as the foundation of these mythologic assertions thou must say of the mother that she was not impregnated by a mortal in the ordinary way but by a spiritual being in an unusual manner this demand stands in strict opposition to the real truth therefore the myth is a fitting solution one can say it was a hero who died and was born again in a remarkable manner and in this way attained immortality the need which this demand asserts is evidently a prohibition against a definite fantasy concerning the mother a son may naturally think that a father has generated him in a carnal way but not that he himself impregnated the mother and so caused himself to be born again into renewed youth this incestuous fantasy which for some reason possesses an extraordinary strength and therefore appears as a compulsory wish is repressed and conforming to the above demand under certain conditions expresses itself again symbolically concerning the problem of birth or rather concerning individual rebirth from the mother in jesus's challenge to nicodemus we clearly recognize this tendency think not carnally or thou art carnal but think symbolically then art thou spirit it is evident how extremely educated and developing this compulsion toward symbolism can be nicodemus would remain fixed in low commonplaces if he did not succeed in raising himself through symbols above this repressed incestuous desire as a righteous philistine of culture he probably was not very anxious for this effort because men seem really to remain satisfied in repressing the incestuous libido and at best to express it by some modest religious exercises yet it seems to be important on the other side that man should not merely renounce and repress and thereby remain firmly fixed in the incestuous bond but that he should redeem those dynamic forces which lie bound up in incest in order to fulfil himself for man needs his whole libido to fill out the boundaries of his personality and then for the first time he is in a condition to do his best the paths by which man may manifest his incestuously fixed libido seem to have been pointed out by the religious mythologic symbols on this account jesus teaches nicodemus thou thinkest of thy incestuous wish for rebirth but thou must think that thou art born from the water and that thou art generated by the breath of the wind and in this way thou shalt share in eternal life End of section seventeen